0: This land is your land, and this land is my land. From California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made
1: for you and me. Welcome, everybody, uh, to the inaugural podcast of the Renew Gurus. Uh, My name is James Owen. I'm the executive director of Renew Missouri. This is, a, uh, this is a little experiment we're going to try. We want uh, to find new ways to engage and educate our supporters and the public. Uh, we're going to try it through this podcast. We don't know if it's going to work, uh, but we've got some pretty sharp people here uh, that are going to be considered our gurus for this. Uh, first off, uh, we have Matthew Patterson. He is the policy advisor for New Missouri. Matthew, how are you today?
0: Well, I'm doing great, James. Uh, enjoy being on the inaugural episode here. I've always been told I have a face for podcasts, so, you know. <laughs> That's a good one.
1: Yeah, maybe first and last uh, appearance on the
0: podcast. Uh,
1: we also have uh, Emily Pintek. Uh She is our research clerk this summer and maybe beyond. She is also, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, she's also writing a column for the Columbia Daily Tribune uh, this summer. Okay. So she is in very good company that uh, we have two people who have a weekly Columbia Daily Tribune column and work <laughs> at Renew, Missouri. I'm the other one. Emily, how are you?
2: I'm great. Hi, yeah. folks.
1: Yeah, you excited After to be, to be here? here? I am. Good. Yeah. Running the boards, uh, we got Philip Forsica. He's going to be our producer on this podcast. He's the guy who, if you think this sounds great, he's responsible. And if you don't like it, he's, well, we always blame him for everything. So, Philip, how you doing? Doing well. Go am I to supposed to be talking to you? Limitedly. Okay. Well. (laughs) Thanks for telling me what to do. Okay. Um. I want to start this. I mean, we've got some substantive things we want to discuss here, and we think that's important. But since this is our first one, we kind of going to go over what we hope to accomplish with this, and what we're hoping that people take from this. Um. We are going to do this a couple of times a month. Uh, We are not only going to be diving into specific legal and policy issues that might be affecting Missouri or energy policy or just general, you know, politics around, uh, but we also want to dive deep into um, research that's being done, policies that are being formulated uh, I don't know about all of you, but uh, sometimes I get these emails from people sharing articles with me, studies with me, and they're sixty or seventy pages long. And I sit to myself, I sit there and think to myself, "Oh my goodness, I need to get to this this weekend," and then I never do, and then it just sits there. And by the time I read it, it's been supplemented by some other important research, which I'm also not going to get to until it's actually been read, so or didn't been done or. Supplement itself. So we are going to be doing a section called TLDR, which is going to stand for too long did read, as opposed to didn't read, because we're going to read it and we're going to process it down to you. We're going to do some vox explaining for that, and we're also going to be trying to reach out and do some interviews with people who are movers and shakers and utility rate making energy policy in Missouri. So we're hoping that by picking their brains and finding out what's important to them. That can apply not only to your general knowledge of what we're doing here, but also look at like how this might be affecting things around the country. So that's what we're hoping to do. And we're hoping that you find this enlightening and you also find this is something that you can support financially. Uh, we don't need a lot of money to do this, but Renew Missouri Uh, We have a mission to promote and advocate for renewable energy and energy efficiency policies around the state of Missouri. We do need money to do that. And so we're hoping that you see this as something that will help get your message out and that you can help us fuel our efforts. And that was a pun, by the way, fueling your efforts. Why don't you all laugh? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. If we could get a rim shot in here, that would be good. <laughs> um, I don't have any room for. Uh, Thanks, so. Philip. Uh, yeah. A room to we we don't we don't have a, we don't have room for a drum kit in the Renew Missouri studios. <laughs> um, so yes, we are uh, broadcasting uh, from Columbia, Missouri, at the Renew, Renew Missouri headquarters. Uh, you know, we are based here. We also have an office in St. Louis. Uh, potentially opening an office in Kansas City. So we're right here in the heart of Missouri. And one thing I don't want to do is do that awful, awkward seven or eight minutes at the beginning of every podcast where we sit around and talk about how everyone's doing because I would rather just have knives stuck in my ears than hear people talk about that because I think it's generally pretty insufferable. Don't you all agree? Sure. Okay, well, I'm just going to get into it then. <laughs> I mean, you all have to say yes, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, um...
0: <laughs> you obligated, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, we don't want to cut this off and throw you all out of here uh, halfway through the podcast. <laughs> so, um, let's get into it. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. um, the, fun- the thing we want to focus on this week is, um, there was a case that uh, an opinion was issued by the Missouri Supreme Court... Uh, on Tuesday, uh, we're doing this on Thursday. So for all I know, there's some big piece of policy that's being announced right now that we're not going to get to talk about, and we'll have to save for some other podcast. But the thing that happened on Tuesday of this week was the Missouri Supreme Court made a ruling on uh, the Clean Line Grain Belt Express. Um, now, to give a little bit of a uh, little bit of background on what that is. Uh, Clean Line is a company based out of Texas. They build transmission lines around the country. Uh, They had a proposal to build a series of transmission lines that were going to go across the Midwest uh, from western states where there's a lot of wind produced. And that transmission was going to go to the east where we've got lots of population centers, but not a lot of places for wind. And that was their proposal. They've got these north of here. They've got them south of here. And Grain Belt Express was what was going to be that would go from Kansas, Nebraska, and go out east into Illinois. This has been going on for a while. There's been a couple of bites at the apple of this. Um, the Public Service Commission, um, just for all of you who don't know, the Public Service Commission regulates privately owned utilities in the state of Missouri. Uh, I think pretty much every state has some sort of regulatory body like that that has privately owned companies. Um One of the things that they're responsible for doing is issuing certificates of convenience and necessity, uh, which is what we also call a CCN. It's one of the many TLAs uh, that we have uh, working in energy policy, those three letter acronyms. And that's where if you are wanting to build a utility plant, you have to get permission from the Public Service Commission. And under the Missouri law, an electric transmission line is considered plant. So they had to get it, they had to get permission. And before uh, the uh, the company uh, Clean Line has had problems doing this because they weren't actually going to be selling any power in Missouri. So the Public Service Commission concluded that it didn't have any interest in serving the public here, and they couldn't concern themselves with the public in other parts of the state. It, seemed, it was actually a fairly valid concern when Clean Line came back this time. Uh, They had announced a series of contracts they were going to enter into with municipal utilities in the northern part of the state, including the city of Columbia, city of Hannibal, city of Kirkwood, I believe is in there. They are municipal utilities, and they were going to be getting wind power from this, so that they took care of that concern. But there are always other concerns. (laughs) And Matt Patterson, you know, there's a lot of political stuff that goes on. Uh, with the idea of a private company going in and trying to put in a transmission line. Um, you've been out there. I mean, what are some of these things you hear about from people in this is gonna be in a rural part of Missouri. Uh, I mean what do you think is I mean, you gotta uh, like elaborate on what the concerns were there. I mean, what do you think what do you think those people are, are worried about?
0: Yeah, well, it's it's a yeah, it's I think it boils down to a phrase that a lot of rural Missourians really hate. It's called imminent domain. Imminent domain. Well, a lot of people hate that phrase. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that is what I think a lot of folks feel like. You know, this transmission lines are going to take a lot of you know space, and they you know they're going to have to come through, and they've got to you know go through people's land to uh, mm-hmm. you know because it's going it's going all the way to right, Indiana, I believe. Also, is, ah, you know, yeah, well, I Indiana, that's right, yeah. So, you know, anytime you get to talking about any kind of, you know, um, anything that has to do with people's land and, you know, the government's involved, you always get a lot of high tensions. And I think that's, you know, it goes through several counties. And I think that's yeah. where we saw a lot of the, you know, well, that's where we did see, you know, a lot of this a lot of the problems arise are through these. Uh, county commissioners and whatnot approving yeah. or disapproving of the of these of this transmission lines coming through their counties.
1: Yeah, and I think that gets into a the point that is brought up by the Supreme Court case uh, when this when this current iteration of the clean line proposal went before the Public Service Commission. There's a question of whether or not the company had to get permission from county commissioners along this line before they could get approval from the public service commission the phrase uh that gets thrown around uh by the commission and in these statutes is called assent yeah assent now, Polytech, you're not a lawyer are you <laughs> no okay you're a grad student though yes. yes and you are you have a focus on you know environmental policy regulations that sort of thing um you've read this decision I mean, what was it you you had a takeaway that we were sharing in our uh, in our, our pre-pod briefing about um, you know what makes all of these decisions and what all makes all these things complicated? And you said something that I kind of made fun of a little bit, but I mean, I think it's important to remember while we're talking. About. what did you what was your takeaway from this case?
2: So basically, my takeaway was that the um, decision relied solely upon semantics. Mm-hmm. so interpretations of words. Yeah. And I thought it was pretty great that the word or. Played a significant role in yeah. determining how the Supreme Court ruled on this case, um, because there was a difference between a line CCN, which has to do with the electrical transmission yes. um, line, or an area CCN, which is a permit that is given if um, to it like an electrical plant. Right. So there's a lot of case law and precedent. Um, Designating the differences between a line CCN or an area CCN. And so yeah. the Supreme Court relied upon the use of the word or to determine um, that there is a clear difference between the two types of permits.
1: Yeah, because in, I think that's a good breakdown of what will happen here. Because when you look at how the Missouri Supreme Court looked at this, because here's what happened. The Public Service Commission basically said, well, we like this. I mean, there was basically I think there was a there's five people on the Public Service Commission. Four of them said... we agree with this we we would like to see this happen however we feel like we are bound by precedent that was set by the western district court of appeals and they had a case we call it the atxi case Um, it was involving uh, a transmission line that amron missouri which is the largest electric utility in the state was wanting to put in they basically said that there had to be county assent uh, for that and we feel bound by that now there was one dissent to that that was commissioner roop he i think pretty much believed that they should grant it anyway I mean, that was his dissent. And so, but it was 4 1, I mean, it was basically 4 um, 1 saying no. I have a simple majority there on the Public Service Commission. Um, so they basically said, well, we're bound by this, we're bound by this uh, decision. Um, and that decision basically said, yeah, you had to have county commission approval for it. Now, what's interesting is with a line CCN, and I think Emily put it pretty well, that you have to get. You don't have to get county assent for that, but with an area CCN, you do. The problem with the ATXI case, and then the Supreme Court gets in this a little bit. This was Aaron wanting to build, I believe it was like, I think it's called like the Mark Twain Express or something like that. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Uh, they didn't really specify what kind of CCN they were wanting to get on this, they didn't call it a line or an area CCN. It's vague in their application. And so, the, uh, and so the Western District ascertained that had to be an area CCN. And what happened here with Clean Line? Instead of going back to the Western District, um, and I want to get into a little bit of procedural things here. Um, okay, for the non-lawyers out there, and I actually think I'm the only lawyer in this room right now, so they can gang up on me. Um, we have a couple of lawyers that work around in Missouri, so... If they hear this and they think I'm wrong, well, they can they can do their own podcast. Um, so we have okay. So we have in Missouri three appellate districts. We have the Eastern District, which is based out of St. Louis. We have the Western District that's based out of Kansas City, and we have the Southern District that's based out of Springfield. And it it deals with circuit courts and administrative bodies all over the state of Missouri. Typically, uh, if you have an administrative agency or government agency in Cole County, which is where Jefferson City is, which is the state capital, those decisions go to the Western District because that's the district it's in. So they get a lot of government cases there. Now – that, so that's where, like, a lot of the Public Service Commission appeals get decided. And I can tell you from what I hear, all the Western District judges hate these PSE cases because they're very technical. They're very precise. Not a lot of people know them. And so it's just kind of a pain in their neck. Uh, this one, however, uh, this one, uh, the parties and, – and I will let's, – let's, um, let's put this disclaimer out there. I probably should have done this earlier. Renew Missouri was a party to this case. We were a party to the appeal – um, we issued our briefs and everything else. We represented uh, these interests at the Public Service Commission level. Um, and here's the other thing: most, a lot of administrative agencies, you have to go to a circuit court to get uh, a ruling there, and then go to the appellate court. There's a statute in Missouri says if it's PSC decision, you go immediately to the appellate court, and it usually goes to the Western District. The reason this didn't, the reason Clean Line didn't go to the Western District, is because we have local public hearings in these cases. And there were a lot of local public hearings on this case. I went to several of them. Some of them were in the Eastern District. You look at Hannibal, Monroe County, um, some of those places, they were in the Eastern District. That's how they led the argument that it should be heard at the Eastern District. Well, the Eastern District disagreed with the Western District. They basically said that the Public Service Commission should have granted this. So then all of a sudden you have a split between the Eastern District and the Western District. And one thing that the Supreme Court does, because while you're in appellate court in Kansas City, St. Louis, or Springfield, if you file a technically proficient appeal, they have to hear it. The Supreme Court can choose uh, what they hear and what they don't. They will usually choose to hear a case if they believe there is a split. Uh, between the districts. I mean, because here's another thing that um, lawyers kind of have a debate about. Um, A lot of lawyers say that the the appeal at districts should have a difference of opinions. But the reality is, it is the court of appeals, not courts, Emily, words matter. And the S's matter. And so like to me, if you're the court of appeal, no matter whether you're in St. Louis or Springfield or Kansas City, you should like be able to rely on other... Uh, districts to like look at what the law is uh, but the, so the supreme court tries to say okay well, we're going to reconcile this so that's why the supreme court took this case they heard these arguments and it came down to these issues about whether or not they had a line certificate or an area certificate and it was pretty clear i mean um you know this was argued uh in front of the supreme court back in april first of april um there were a lot of people that were interested in this Uh, There were landowner associations that were, you know, they also appealed the decision because they didn't think it went far enough. They didn't like the precedent it sets. But the municipal utilities, they were there. Uh, The company was, uh, we had, uh, you know, we had two other law firms that were represented there, including former governor Jay Nixon case anyone remembers him, that was now, I think, uh, two governors ago. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> from, from two years. Yeah, so I know yeah, we forget. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, we forget time goes by. That I mean, I feel like since Jay Nixon's been in office, it feels like it's been 20, 30 years, but it has not been that long. It hasn't even been two. It hasn't even been two. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so if you're a, you're a watcher of Missouri politics, you probably feel our pain. Uh, as far as, like, everything that's been going on in Jefferson City. So, Jay Nixon is now in private practice in uh, in St. Louis, his law firm represented the company, Clean Line on this. And they made uh, what I thought sounded like a pretty good argument about why the uh, Public Service Commission should have looked at this as a line certificate versus an area certificate. Uh, but that's really what it comes down to. And so it's not a horribly long decision. It's only about 11 pages. Uh About two weeks ago, the Supreme Court issued a decision um, on the Missouri Energy Efficiency Investment Act, which boiled down to uh, what the definition of methodology was, Emily. Words matter. And uh, yeah, that's right. And so um, that was a big question. That took 20 pages to get through (laughs) Uh, what methodology meant. And that, I'm not going to get into like that decision because, oh my gosh, I barely understand it. Um... (laughs) No, I do. Uh, it's just not what we're talking about right now. If you want, if you want to request, we talk about Mia and methodology for our next podcast. Well, email me. Um, but so that this was eleven pages, and this just went into those statutes. Um, and so ultimately, they said yes, Emily.
0: Oh,
2: I would just was. i think, yeah, yeah, I just want everybody to know that um, this case is a little different than the ATXI case, which was the Amarin case. Yeah. northeastern Missouri. Well, tell us about it. Because um, the Greenbelt clearly um applied for a line ccn in yeah. their application right so that's just the thing yeah i want to be clear about.
1: i think the atxi one was pretty vague according yeah. to the Supreme court yeah. and i was not doing this kind of work when atxi went through i don't think i wasn't involved with it i've 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 worked in a couple of different areas of energy policy in the state and i think that was something i was not involved with i don't i don't have any personal recollection of what that application looked like but i'll take the Supreme court's word for it that's right that's important so there is a distinction, and the Supreme Court's made that distinction. And so now I get to go back to the Public Service Commission. Uh, and, you know, I guess the question I have um, uh, for you, Emily, um, I mean, do you think this is a good thing or a bad thing uh, for Missouri? I mean, you have to weigh all these different interests. I know your focus is renewable energy, but you talk a lot about property rights and clean soil and clean water. And we all know that people have sovereign rights on all that. So, I mean, what do you think?
2: So I've thought about it a lot. Um, I'm from rural Missouri, right. and I grew up in a small farm, and I understand um, the attachment that people have to their property and um, you know their personal agency over their land. So, ooh, yeah, personal
1: like, agency. Um, I had to look that up.
2: <laughs> Words matter.
1: Words as yes. <laughs> <what> they do. <laughs> um,
2: but yeah, I think I've concluded that. Um, With the amount of wind energy that the clean line, transmission line, is going to be able to supply to the east coast, or to the eastern, not the east coast, sorry, to Illinois, Indiana, and also to these different municipalities in Missouri, um, I think overall it's in the public interest Mm -hmm. to approve uh, the transmission line, Um, you know, because we are seeing more renewables um, come online and, um, you know, yeah, I just think it's a good thing for Missourians and for the Midwest. In general, we're going to see electricity rates go down. Um, Yeah, so it's not an easy answer, but um, I'm I'm for it.
1: Well, I mean, that's why we have things like the Supreme Court. (laughs) I mean, you know, these these issues that get kind of batted around, you know, there are legitimate angles to each and every one of them. Um, You know, and I think it's important that this all plays into a larger conversation that we talk a lot about here. Um, at Renew Missouri, at the Public Service Commission, at uh, these regional transmission organizations, at FERC. Wind is super cheap right now. And it's only showing that it's only become more accessible and more reliable as technology improves, as we start seeing coal plants start to retire, as we start seeing nuclear plants retire, as we start seeing battery uh, storage improve in its technology and improve its affordability. These are all things that have a factor in this and one thing that's important because we spend a lot of time or I spend a lot of time talking to the lawyers for the municipal utilities here um, we have a process in Missouri called Integrated Resource Planning IRPs, another TLA I feel like we should do Is that your like acronym? Yeah, yeah, yeah We're going to be, like I said I mean, and one We're thing I, one of those I always get a lot of you know, we, we go out and we try to do a lot of public education on this stuff um, One thing that us dorks kind of tend to forget or i tend to forget is i rattle this stuff off and i sometimes forget that i have to explain what psc is what rto is you know all that stuff and so you know i I need to be better about it because those tlas do matter i can't remember what tla i was talking about oh irp (laughs) okay I, i got into a segue there sorry um the irp's Are not legally binding, but one thing that, uh, say, the investor-owned utilities in Missouri, Ameren, Kansas City Power and Light, Greater Missouri Operations, Empire, they have to submit these 20-year plans uh, that list off what their resources are going to be, how they're going to get their power for the next 20 years. It's not binding. I can't go in and say, oh, well, Ameren, you said you were going to do this or that in your um, IRP, and then you didn't. But it is a good exercise, I think, for the utilities to say, well, here's what we're thinking about. It's good for people who are usually intervening in these right cases to look at what they're thinking about. And municipal utilities have to do it, too. Um, our own Philip Seeker here, who doesn't want to talk, is on the IRP uh, uh, committee for the City of Columbia. And so he's going through that process right now. I'm not going to ask you about it because you're busy over there. But um, – it's a, but municipals have to do this. And, I mean, one of the things that they were really concerned about, because we had this argument in April, there had been a motion to expedite this. The Supreme Court granted it, and we waited several months before we got it. The reason they wanted to expedite that is because they had to submit their plans to their city councils. And if they didn't have these plans put in place, they might just have to say, look, we're going to have to forego any contracts that we're going to have to do on this because we have to, like, assume it might not happen. So that is an important aspect of this planning process because City of Columbia serves a lot of people. There's 120,000 people that live in this town, a lot of businesses, a lot of industry. Uh, Kirkwood, same way. Hannibal, same way. They're not quite as big as Columbia, but they still service a lot of people. They still service a lot of um, businesses there. And so they have to know what they're going to be doing. So that's urgent. It's urgent not just to the eastern states, this is going to, but this is going to be urgent to this. And I bring all this up because, I mean, I will say one of the concerns that we've had with this is we know, like, when whenever one of these cases gets filed with Public Service Commission, there are a lot of parties out there that get involved with these. They're called interveners. We're interveners. We are traditionally getting involved with every electric rate case. We have started getting involved with gas cases because we've started putting a focus on energy efficiency. But we do get involved with these cases, even sometimes if it's just to monitor them. Um, you know, we've only got six people on staff here. Uh, not all of them are lawyers, um, but uh, we do try to put a lot of resources into this because it's what we do the utility companies will routinely get involved with like if an electric company is asking for a rate case the other electric utility companies will intervene in those cases Uh, and they do that because they see that policy that gets created in those rate cases might have an impact on them later on so they're always trying to influence that now the you didn't see a lot of utilities get involved with these cases with clean line but i think that there is a thought process among people involved with this, that the utility companies, when they're doing their IRPs, where they're talking about how much coal is going to cost them, and they talk about how much environmental compliance they have to do with the nuclear plant. I mean, we only have one nuclear plant here in Missouri. It's owned by Ameren. It's not very far from here. Uh, That then all of a sudden, if they have this transmission line going through Missouri, that they would have to then say, well, that has to be an option for us. Maybe they don't want that to be an option. Um, and the reason I say that is because, look, utility companies, um, they make money off of building things. They make money off of owning things. They make money off of capital projects that they have to go out and find investments for. That's how they're able to get a rate of return at these rate cases. Clean Line comes in, and they just exist independent yeah. of a utility company. Then all of a sudden, Ameren, KCP&L, whoever... They look at that and say, well, that's not something we're terribly interested in because we don't own it. ATXI is interesting to Ameren because they own it. They're able to put that into their rate cases. They're able to get a rate of return on that, which is anywhere from 9 to 10% historically here in Missouri. Uh, that's like something that you look at as a rate of return in a lot of places around the country. So to the extent that you had a lot of silence from utility companies on this, made you wonder if they were doing a lot of things behind the scenes. I don't want to be a tinfoil hat guy. I don't want to be a conspiratorial guy. But it does make you wonder. It's just a thought. Everyone's looking at me now like, what have you done, James? Uh-oh. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> it's to No. I, <laughs> because, no. Uh, no. No. I mean, I just think it's, I, I think it's interesting because it's one thing to look at these things. I mean, you can look at, are they going to build a transmission line? Are they not? Does this interfere with individual families or farmers' property rights? Does this have an impact on their farming operations? Those are all important issues, but it also plays in the larger topics.
2: Um, I just wanted to mention, so you talked about, um, you know, how does it affect farmers and landowners? Right. Um, just so everyone's clear, the transmission line just looks like an electrical transmission yeah. line. Like it's mm-hmm. not, um, it's not wind turba- turbines. It's right. not like a whole. Um, New kind of infrastructure that we're not already used to seeing on the landscape. It's like if your co op
0: came through and put in new power lines. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. that's basically what it will be, you know.
1: Which I have. I will just, as another uh, little bit of information for people out there, I have some personal experience with that. My folks are farmers. I'm also from a rural part of the state. Uh, My folks got into a legal challenge with CAMO, which is based out of southwest Missouri. They are a uh, regional generation and transmission organization that works with the co-ops. This CAMO outfit was wanting to build a power line that went over three different parcels of my folks' property. My dad and mom fought this like cats and dogs. They ended up settling it. And my dad is still mad about it. And it was four years ago. So, like, look, I'm not sitting here saying this from the perspective of some city slicker, some liberal huckster who's trying to say that I don't care about your farming operation. I'm as much of a farmer as you're going to get. And I still say this is something that's necessary. Because here's the thing. If you're going to move to different parts of the country, if you're going to, like, keep building, if you're still going to have, like, progress in the state, you got to have power that runs it. And you either say we're going to do that or we're not. And I know there's a lot of NIMBY issues with that. I mean, Emily, you do a lot of environmental policy. You know what NIMBY stands for, don't you?
2: Not in my backyard.
1: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> this is not unique to transmission lines, is it? No. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, it's, it's probably pertinent to almost any environmental issue. Clean water, clean air.
0: Um, yeah.
1: They want all these things done, but they don't want to see it. Exactly. That's right. They don't want to be around it. And, I mean, the reality is this is – I mean, if you're talking about trying to have power go to the population centers of this country, that's not in northern Missouri. I'm sorry. It's not. A lot of people don't live there. It's Chicago. It's um, the East Coast. I mean, anymore, it's becoming the Southeast. It's becoming the Southwest. I mean, we start having more and more air conditioning so people can move to warmer parts. And guess what they need when they move to warmer parts? They need air conditioning.
0: (laughs) So at least a lot of these areas like northern Missouri and that don't have the population growth. Actually, probably maybe even some population decrease. That you know, without things like this transmission line going through, um, you know, they wouldn't be able to get access to affordable and cheaper you know, utilities. And actually, you know, a lot of areas see like their utility bills going up because of that very reason. Um, they don't have the demand. They don't have the businesses. And so you know, the focus isn't always on that. So I think this is a good way. Uh, you know, I think it'd be a good economic um, thing for uh, rural Missouri. I don't know if that was the thought of it, you know, going in, but I can see that it's going to help them. You know, it's going to help you know Hannibal and different. I think you'll see you know different uh, companies being able to take advantage of that and get them access to wind that they may not have had, and uh, you know, cheaper, cheaper energy anyway. So I would not have to rely on the you know old coal and dirty you know dirty, dirty power. power. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, speaking of economics, I actually have a question. So, um, do the no, no questions? No, just kidding. Yeah, ask your question. I'm just kidding. All right, so I'm curious about taxes <laughs> um, and the benefit aside from the transmission of electricity that these projects might bring to rural counties, which mm. are.
1: Well, look. I mean, you know, to the extent that you're talking about, I mean, this is this is pretty well documented. I think you've got a lot of good anecdotal evidence in regards to wind farms in Northwest Missouri. Um, Matt Patterson here has been working a lot with. Um, uh, wind supporters in Northwest Missouri, there's a lot of myths and debunking that needs to be done in those parts of the state people worried about whether or not wind turbines cause migraines and that sort of thing, uh, based on the shadow they produce. But you look at Axon County, which is in the very, am I saying that right? I don't know if I'm I think saying it. so. Yeah. yeah it's in the very, very Northwest part of the state of Missouri. They have seen a boom, uh, to their schools uh, to their transportation infrastructure, and they've been having those because they have a—they f- are flush with property tax increases because of these wind farms. The farmers there are flush with the fact that they don't like these wind farms. Don't own the space; they rent it, they lease it. In a lot of cases, you can still run cattle, you can still have pasture there, and so they're making extra money. Grow crops so or crop? I mean, I—you can tell I'm from Southwest Missouri because I don't talk about crops <laughs> because I am. Uh, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a beef farm guy. I mean, I'm not a beef farm guy. My parents are beef farm people because they're the ones working all the time. Um, but that that is – but they still get to do that. This doesn't – I mean, there is some interference here because there is an easement there. Uh, but it's not that bad. Now, as far as the transmission lines go, I mean, I think it is an interesting question. I mean, I think that ultimately Clean Line is going to own that. And there's going to be property tax consequences to that. So will you see that there's going to be an influx of property taxes in those counties? I think probably so. Those school districts are going to see benefits from that. And look, if there's anything that I know about rural Missouri and rural parts of the country is a lot of these communities live and die by the school districts that are in their town. I think, you know, three of us sitting around this table. Philip, you're kind of from a larger area. But um, the three of us sitting here, we are from towns that probably would not have the kind of economic benefit or the community structure if they didn't have a good school system there. Went to Marshfield. You went to Nixa. You went to Washington. Yeah, I mean, those are those are not areas that are thriving necessarily economically, uh, but they do. But the schools employ a lot of people, and those are all paid for by property taxes. And so, if you see Clean Line is going to be able to come in there and like have a property tax liability, that's that's it. That. I mean, I think that is going to have a benefit to that. Um, and you know, right now, if you're talking about other tax consequences. Uh, You know, the ability to build wind farms and build solar farms and build transmission lines that are specifically geared towards renewable energy. There's a production tax credit out there that's going to expire in 2020. And so you're talking about there's going to see this boom in uh, that kind of development. You're going to see it here in the next couple of years. And so if you don't see that, then these projects are going to cost a lot more money. And that money is going to be passed on to the people that are buying this energy means that means all of you out there who are utility customers (laughs) because there's not a lot of us who aren't utility customers right i mean that's like pretty much everybody (laughs) so yeah i mean there is there is that benefit there that is going to generate tax revenue and if you're also talking about the fact that it's also going to like employ people i mean to like uh to be technicians on these lines if you're going to be talking about people who are going to be able to Uh, work at businesses who are gonna be moving to communities because they, um, because businesses, I mean like, look, here's another reality that a lot of people don't talk about and I don't understand why they don't talk about it. There are a lot of businesses who have sustainability goals for their company, Fortune 500 companies, big companies that are based here in Missouri, Anheuser-Busch, sort of based here in Missouri. You know, General Motors has a big presence here, Ford has a big presence here. They have sustainable goals. Walmart wants to pretty much run all of their stores off of solar. Uh, But then at the same time, they also have sustainable goals for their distribution centers. Um, If they're looking at a community near an interstate or near a U.S. highway, which a lot of those run through northern Missouri – And you have Walmart or Amazon or any of these companies because anymore, people buy all their stuff online. So you've got to have distribution centers around the country. They don't want to run that off coal. They don't want to run that off nuclear. They want to run that off wind and solar. So if these areas have access to wind, thanks to clean line, you have a better shot of those companies moving there. That means more jobs. Exactly. So to answer your – I mean, so good question, Emily Piatek uh that is exactly what you're going to see there and i think you know we spend a lot of time advocating for that you know we don't at renew missouri focus a lot on the altruistic environmental concerns there there are a lot of groups that do that well missouri coalition for the environment sierra club nrdc we're focused mainly on the renewable aspect of this and we're focused on energy efficiency and we're focused on economic arguments we don't normally get into the issues about Dirty coal, but that's all really reality, and it's really something that businesses are looking for. Parting thoughts? Apparently not. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, this is uh, this is still something that we're going to be involved with. Uh, the landowners uh, who are parties to these uh, actions. You know, they're going to go back to the Public Service Commission. They vow to keep fighting this, uh, or at least they have in their public statements. So we're going to be watching this. We're going to continue monitoring this because we've still got to do this all over again. Oh, yeah. Uh, But we now have guidance from the Missouri Supreme Court on what that's supposed to look like. So the reality is that the Public Service Commission very specifically said, we are not granting this because we feel bound by ATXI, and the Supreme Court says you shouldn't. I don't know how they changed that. I mean, there might be new factual things that come up now, but who knows? Um and so we will keep monitoring that and going from there.
2: And permission to try
1: again. And permission yeah I mean so they I mean so it ain't over folks. No it's a long process yeah. I mean everyone gets mad because they don't think the government works quickly enough but I mean that's one of the great things about this country is we have a lot of due process. And sometimes that's slow and sometimes it's a pain but you know what it all ends up working out in the end in my opinion. Maybe not.
0: <laughs> we hope so. We yeah. hope
1: so, right? Fingers crossed, yeah, right? <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've uh, we uh, we're getting the uh, the signal from our producer that we are out of time. Uh, we want to thank you for joining us on this inaugural voyage of Renew Gurus. Uh, this has been James Owen, uh, joined by Emily PineTech and Matt Patterson uh, of Renew Missouri, as well as, like I said, our producer Philip Fresica. And um, we hope that you've enjoyed this. We hope we get some feedback from you, and we hope to see you down the road.